I will live in you and walk with you. So set yourselves apart. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. This morning, we want to talk about the heart of a father. Continuing on with our sons and daughters series, we want to talk about the heart of God and the heart that he, he wants to show us this morning. Ephesians 3, chapter 16 through 21, if you've got your Bibles, turn there. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. One thing we need to settle up front before we get started is God's word is the truth. God's word is a true representation of God. We cannot allow someone else's experiences to shape how we see God. We can't allow anything to shape that except the word of God. People say, well, you know, you're really close to God. God's really involved in your life. Uh, but God just sort of watches mine from a distance. Or, well, you know, God loves me today, but tomorrow, I don't know, he may not. That's not the way to view God. We cannot bring God down to our experiences. We have to bring our expectations up to who God is. And I want to show you this morning why we have to do that. The beautiful thing about God is something called his immutability. That's found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. Do you know what that means in the original Hebrew? I don't change. That's what it means. It means he's the same God. The same God that we read about 2,000 years ago is the same God we serve today. He's the same God we'll serve 1,000 years from now, and he's the same God will be here a million years from tomorrow. That's the same God that we serve. He hasn't changed. You have to keep that in mind because otherwise we look at these things in the Scriptures and we think, well, that's not who my God is, but it is. We want to understand the beauty of of the heart of the Father. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says that we are made in the image of God. And if we are made in the image of God, we have this finite taste of the infinite love of God. God has such a father's heart and as, as earthly parents, we have a love for our children. And that's a taste of how God feels for us. Because we can be overwhelmed by our children. If you don't believe me, just look at your Facebook feed of any friends that you have. If they're a couple, it's out on date night, on the beach, it's a couple watching TV, a couple having a picnic, hanging with the baby, just having a good time. But you let them have a baby, and you look at the Facebook feed then. Baby sleeping, baby sleeping, baby sleeping. Little booger had her eyes open for five minutes till I got the camera, now she's sleeping. Baby sleeping. Then the baby gets awake, and what do we end up with? Baby laughing, baby crying, baby eating, picture of mommy holding baby, picture of daddy's arms holding baby, because this is really the only picture you need when daddy's holding the baby. This is the important part. 
what happens is they go from being a couple to they're a family and a baby. That's all they have pictures of. And that's because the heart, when we see that child, when the child is born, our heart just becomes so inflated with love for our children. And the amazing thing to me is as much as I love my kids, God loves me a million times more. Because He is capable of that much more love. So that's why it's very, very important for you to understand this morning how much God loves you or none of the rest of this is going to matter. You have to believe God wants you whole. You have to believe God cares about you and God loves you exactly where you are. So how do we know what God is really like? We look at Jesus. John chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. In other words, if you want to see the heart of God, you look at Jesus. Jesus said, what you see me doing here on this earth is what God himself would do. So, with that being said, if we want to look at the heart of the Father through the life of Jesus, there's five things that we can see about a Father's heart. And this is in your, your outline, in your bulletin. Number one, a Father's heart is a heart of love and compassion. Let me tell you, when you look at the Bible, Jesus spent all this time walking around the crowds, walking among the crowds. The Bible says that he saw multitudes or individuals and he had compassion on them. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 and 3 that Jesus is the exact representation of his being. The, the karatos is the word. That means a perfect replica. Jesus is the perfect replica of God. And every time Jesus saw people hurting or lost or directionless or whatever, his heart was moved with compassion. Because a father's heart is a heart that is moved with love and compassion for his children. I, I, he, a father's heart does not enjoy suffering. Because when a child suffers, the father suffers with him. I never had a lot of parent-teacher conferences with my kids. But I remember one time when they were young, I went to get a report card. And one of the teachers talked talk to me about one of my sons. He said, he's, he's, a, he's good. He just doesn't really try. He's not giving us all he's capable of. Well, that night, my two sons, they were little at the time. They were running through the house. And that son fell and hurt his knee. And if you know my family, you know immediately which child I'm talking about. But he fell and he hurt himself. I did not walk up to him and say, see, should have tried harder in school. If you'd have put forth an effort, this would not be happening right now. No, I didn't do that. I ran to comfort him because his pain was my pain. Him hurting was me hurting. That's the heart of a father. Hey, look, if you're a parent, you care about your children. It doesn't matter if your child is 5 years old or 45 years old. If you're standing there and somebody disrespects your child and talks, talks bad to your child or something like that, doesn't matter how old you are, you could be the picture of calm on the outside, but inside you're like, oh, no, uh-uh, nope, not going to happen. Hold my purse. Here it goes. You know why? Because you have an overwhelming love for your child, and God feels the same way about you. In the scriptures, nine times in the gospel, 
Jesus is moved with compassion for a multitude or an individual. We're not going to read them all, but you can see them. Nine times he sees somebody in need, and he is moved with compassion. He doesn't just say, wow, again? Oh, more of you people? Are you kidding me? No. He is moved with love and compassion. He stops what he's doing, and he ministers. That's because his heart breaks when our heart breaks. He loves us. He cares for us. And he wants us to be happy. So understand that the heart of a father is a heart that wants you to be whole and complete. Number two, the heart of a father is a heart of forgiveness and redemption. God hates sin, but God loves the sinner. You understand, I've seen people before and it amazes me. People who will live their life a certain way and they'll sin and they'll say, if I just ignore that, God doesn't see it. Everything's cool. But the thing is, God does see it. You can put on a mask and you can fool everybody you want to, but God sees you as you really are. God sees who you really are. And here's the amazing thing. He loves you anyway. You're not fooling him, but he loves you. It's just like when you're a parent. Sometimes you'll know things about your children when they're in school, and and you'll know that something has happened. I never forget, when I was little, one day, I got in trouble on the school bus. Yeah, I know, surprise. You look at me and think, really? I did, I got in trouble. And the, and the school bus driver looked at me and said, I'm going to call your parents. And my whole day was ruined. My whole day at school was absolutely ruined. Because I was just sitting there thinking, what am I going to say? What excuse do I have? How can I make this work? i got to turn this around. Bus driver's crazy. Uh, maybe he's alcoholic. I don't know. Something's got to be happening in my direction. I spent the whole day wallowing in that. I got home. My mother, my mother just greets me at the door when I get off the school bus. And she's just looking at me with this completely expressionless look. And I'm thinking, did he call? Did he not call? Do I confess and get this over with? Do I act like nothing happened? So I was like, how's it going? Do you have something to tell me? And I knew it was over. You know, because why? She knew something about me, and I was going to do my best to hide it, but it didn't matter because she knew. And that's the way it is for God with us. We try to hide our sin, but God knows about it. He loves us, and he's willing to forgive and forget. All we got to do is ask. That's the amazing thing. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is willing to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. As far as the east is from the west, is how far he throws our sin away from us. That's an immeasurable distance. But it can't happen until we ask. Until then, there is that separation. There is that block between us. And we have to realize, though, he wants to forgive us. The Bible says in John chapter 8 that there was a woman caught in the very act of adultery. And she was brought before Jesus with a crowd. And they wanted to stone her. They were using this as an opportunity to trap him. And they wanted her to be killed. They wanted to stone her. And the Bible says Jesus just reached down and started riding on the ground. And one by one, the people left. One by one, they dropped their stone and walked away. Until finally, the only two people there were Jesus and that woman. And he looked at her and he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I have none. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. You realize out of that entire group of people, all of them had sinned. 
all of them had something going on in their life, then they were not worthy to be casting judgment on this person. But the Lamb of God stood before her, the sinless Lamb of God who had all the right in the world to judge her if he wanted to. And he said, I don't Go your way and sin no more. That's the important thing. Sin no more. God will meet you where you are, but you cannot stay there forever. You have to change. You have to grow. You have to learn to become everything that God wants you to become. His heart is for repentance, forgiveness, but also for growth. Number three, the Father's heart is a heart of giving and success. God wants us to succeed. All we have to do is look. Psalms 37 and 19. I love this verse. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. God wants to give you more than enough. Enough is what we need. More than enough is extra. And that's a good thing. I was driving one day and I passed Krispy Kreme Donuts and they had that beautiful little hot donuts now sign on, the, gro the red glowing sign. You know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter how bad your day is going. When you drive and see that sign light up, it's just this feeling that just comes all over you like it's going to be a good day. <laughs> Everything is going to be all right now. I mean, I, I don't know how it is for you. I believe in heaven. When I walk in heaven to the left-hand side, there's going to be a red glow. And it's going to be that hot donuts now sign. And in heaven, there's no off switch. So anytime I want it, it's right there. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. I got no Bible for that. But listen. I went and I stopped because I saw that sign and I bought a dozen glazed donuts. You know what happens when you walk into Krispy Kreme and that smell just wafts all over you and you can just feel Jesus giving you a hug as you're stepping towards that counter. And I tell you, I had that. I bought that dozen glazed donuts, but they were having a sale. If you buy one dozen donuts, you get the next dozen for half price. Now, I'm no math whiz. But I figured out that if I bought that other dozen, that meant that first dozen only cost me 75% of the price. You understand? I got 25% off that first dozen donuts. I would be stupid to pay full price for a dozen donuts when I could get it at 25% off if I bought another one. So I went from having one dozen donuts to having two dozen hot glazed donuts. I had more than enough. You understand? My wife loves Krispy Kreme donuts, but my wife loves a Krispy Kreme donut. I don't understand that. I can't figure it out. I don't know what's wrong with her. But that's how it is. I take three down before I'm tasting the first, thinking I better slow down a tad. But she just takes one. So I went home basically with 23 glazed donuts with my name on them. I couldn't take those down. But I want to tell you right now, it was a wonderful feeling. When I walked in that kitchen and there was two boxes of glazed Krispy Kreme donuts, it was a wonderful feeling because that meant if I wanted a donut, I could have a donut. I didn't have to sit there and think, now this is the only one I got for the whole weekend long. I better make this one last. I'm just going gonna, gonna to lick one side of it for a second and put it back, and I'll come back later and try a little more. No, I had two dozen. You know what I did? I had a donut whenever I wanted a donut, and then one time I walked in there, grabbed it, took a bite, and threw the rest away because I had more than enough. You understand? That's how God wants to be with us. We need to stop asking and begging God for crumbs at the table when God wants to set a buffet before us. God doesn't want to just barely get you scraping by. He said in his word, more than enough. More than enough. 
Look, in Psalms chapter uh, Psalm 144 and 12, we need to say this blessing prayer from Psalm 144 and 12. It says, may our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls, no going into captivity, no cries of alarm in our town squares. Yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. If you had a billion dollars, there was no money, was no object for you, and your child came to you and maybe 20 or 30 years old and said, I need a car so I can get to work. I just need to get to work, and it doesn't have to be a good car. If you could just give me something with, you know, it doesn't have to have air conditioning or, 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 or anything at all, a cardboard box with an engine and wheels, if, whatever it is, just get me there. And you had a billion dollars with no expenses, you had no, no worry about it, would you look at that child and give them a car that's held together by duct tape and prayer? Or would you give them something nice that's going to get them where they need to go? Give them some a little air conditioning. You know, something with a little radio in it or something. But you're going to take care of them. And that's what we have to believe. We have to believe that God doesn't want us to sit there and just beg and beg and beg to barely scrape by when he wants to show us, I'm the God of more than enough. Look at what Jesus said. Again, we're looking at Jesus to see the picture of God. In Matthew chapter 7, he said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find, keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Four, the heart of a father is a heart of healing and restoration. When you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at what Jesus did on this earth, there is never one point in time on this earth that Jesus ever put sickness on anyone. It didn't happen. Matthew chapter 8. Look verses 16 and 17. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. The King James of verse 17 says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That took word there, that is an aggressive word. That is an aggressive word that creates this picture of something being snatched away from somebody else. Being taken. That is not for you and pulled away. Think about it. If you had a little three-year-old child who had a cup of poison and was bringing it to their lips, would you look at that child and say, No, no. Will you give that cup to Daddy? Can Daddy have that cup? Will you give that cup to Mommy? I'm going to count to three. One, two. Now, Tanner, you're hurting my feelings. I'm counting to three. Here we go. One, two. Don't make me go to three. You're hurting Daddy's feelings. You're hurting Daddy. Can Daddy have... Don't, 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 don't. Don't put that. Don't put that. Don't touch that. Uh -uh. No, 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 no. You wouldn't do that. 
know what you'd do? You'd say, give me that. You know why? Because it might hurt their feelings a little bit, but you saved their life. The Bible says that that's how God feels about sickness and infirmity on us. When he sees sickness on us, it's like this. God just says, give me that, because Jesus took our infirmities, and he bare our sicknesses. Jesus himself did that. We have to understand that the heart of a father, the heart of God, is a heart that wants you healthy and whole. How dare we reduce the most loving being in the universe to someone who has to kill us to teach us something? Sickness is, God, is not God's blunt instrument to try to teach you something. You understand. Because if that's the case, then it makes no sense. Because here's the thing. When the Bible says when Jesus went there, he healed all the sick. So if God's making people sick, then that'd be God going against himself. Be like, be sick, be healed, be sick, be healed. God's not bipolar. God is not schizophrenic. You understand. God doesn't look at you and say, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you. That's not God. What God says is, that sickness is not for you. That's mine. Let me have it. Get it away. Drop it. And that's the thing, is we have to understand that God wants us healthy and whole. If I was standing here in a $1,000 suit, and I had two little children here that were my children, and they were like small, and they were sitting here in rags, torn clothing, no shoes, their hair was matted, they had dirt all over their faces, they were skinny, didn't like they'd eaten in weeks. And I'm standing here in a $1,000 suit, happy, full, everything's good. Would you look at me and say, now that's a good dad. How about if I said that? How about if I said, I'm just, I'm just teaching them to be humble. That's all. Then would you look at me and say, oh, I got it now. Now you're a good dad. No, you wouldn't. Because those children are a reflection of me. I'm not talking about somebody who has to work and work and work and just barely get by and barely feed their family. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about someone who has excess. And the Bible says that God has no lack. The Bible says there's no wanting. My God is a God of, a, of, of infinite wealth. My God needs nothing. So why should I think that as, as his child, I would bring him glory if I'm broken and beaten and just destroyed and defeated and, and just barely scraping through life? I have to understand God wants me healthy, whole, and well. And that's what God wants for you. Don't think. Don't worry about saying, well, you know, this sickness, uh, you know, God did this to me. God didn't do any of that. God wants you healed. God wants you strong. Number five, the Father's heart is a heart of communion and relationship. Communion and relationship. If I spent one minute every day talking to my wife, what kind of relationship would I have? I wouldn't have a good relationship with her at all. I wouldn't know her. I wouldn't know anything about her. So why do we think that we can spend one minute a day talking to God, more precisely talking at God? Because most of the time when we do stuff like that, our prayer is something like, Lord, get your notebook ready. I got some things I need. Here's what I want you to do today. I'd like for you to go work on that, and we'll talk later, and off you go. That's not a relationship. That's not a relationship at all. That's just a superficial thing. And God longs for so much more. God desires so much more. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to love you. He wants to care about you. My wife and I, we were uh, different when we got married. We uh, had different ideas, different things that we did. And there was a lot of compromising when we got married. But one thing, 
was this. I, before I married my wife, I just sat in front of the television with a TV dinner or whatever, and I watched TV. And when the boys were growing up, I would fix them something. We'd all sit in the living room, watch TV. That was how we had dinner. My wife grew up in a family where you sat around a table and you talked. And so we did. We started making dinner, and we would sit at a little table in our kitchen, and we would talk. And at first, it was a little awkward. At first, it was kind of strange. But then the time grew on and went on and went on, and we started building relationships. Now my sons are grown. They've moved out. One of them is getting married. But I look back on those years, on those meals, on those moments, when I saw my children grow up over dinner. We had that time and that intimacy and now those are some of the most precious moments in my life. Those are some of the most precious things for me to sit and think about. And even now, I enjoy it when I get to have time, spending time with my family. I love that. And if me, just being a human being, can love my family that much and could desire to spend time with my family that much, how much more does God desire to spend time with me, with you? with his children. The Bible says in Isaiah 49 and 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. You know, this morning, you may not have a relationship with your parents. Or maybe your siblings don't even talk to you. Maybe you don't feel like you have any friends at all. It's just you and God. You feel completely alone. You're not alone. God has not misplaced you. God is not desperately searching for you, trying to figure out, what did I do with that one? God sees you. God feels your pain. When you suffer, God suffers. When you're hurting, God's hurting. And God wants nothing more than to have a relationship with you and to spend time with you and to get to know you. That's the thing that's missing out of all the things that he has. The thing that he wants most, more is you. And how hard is it for us to accept that sometimes? James 1 and 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? In 1 Samuel 15 and 29, he who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a human being that he should change his mind. What does all that say? What all that says is, we look at Jesus to see the heart of the Father. And the God that we saw reflected through Jesus 2,000 years ago has not changed. He hasn't changed his mind. He's still the same God who loves you like crazy today. This morning, if you're alienated from God, if you feel like you're alone, maybe you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, maybe you've just wandered away, whatever's going on, you need to understand and realize God is waiting with open arms, searching for you, 
ready to welcome you back into his into the fold. This morning, will you bow your heads? And if you feel God drawing you, if you feel God calling to you for a closer relationship this morning, for a deeper relationship with Him, past the superficial, past the one-minute prayer, if you feel like God is drawing you into something deeper and something more, would you raise your hand this morning? God is calling out to you. God is crying out to you. And this morning, I believe that we could all just really benefit from having a closer relationship with Him. Would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I want more. I want more of you. I want a deeper relationship with you. I want to hear your voice when you speak. I want to know your direction for my life. Take control of everything. In Jesus' name, amen.